Hello! Welcome into another story about the Peters family. Our story this week is Penelope the Joker. As always, we've included a line from a hymn or a hymn title within the story. If you recognize it, send your answer to whimsywins at gmail.com. If yours is the first correct answer we receive, we will send you a prize. Last week's winners were four siblings, Avia, and I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly, Liam, Anders, and Zeke from Sanger, Texas, with their answer of, I know whom I have believed, from the story, Changes for Todd. Great job, you guys. And there's one more thing. Your mom has the same name as one of my daughters, but we spell my daughter's name with two S's. Before we get to the story, I have a bit of house cleaning to do. We've mentioned before that we're kind of a ragtag team here at Whimsy Wins. One of my daughters writes the story, another daughter does the sound editing and readies it for the podcast, and I edit the story and read it. In the past, we've had trouble with our sound at times. We don't have a sound studio, so we just record in a room at our house. Therefore, at times you may have heard our cat Jack, or the dogs who are barking in the neighbor's backyard. You may have even heard Bart, which is our version of the New York subway as the trains go whizzing by. So I wasn't the least bit surprised when another one of my daughters text messaged me last night that her girls had gotten a big laugh out of the story Changes for Todd. Only, it didn't appear as Changes for Todd, but Changes for Tood. Yikes! I did what I could to correct it on one of our feeds, but I also text messaged my daughter, who's the sound editor, and inquired of her how to change it on the platform. Thankfully, once we changed it on the feed, it automatically changed it on the platform. So, are you ready for this week's story? Penelope the Joker Knock, knock, Todd said. Who's there? Penelope asked. Mikey. Mikey who? Mikey isn't working. Would you let me in? <laughs> Todd cackled. Penelope stared at Todd, her head cocked to one side. I don't get it, Todd. Penelope's older brother Pearson came to the rescue, although he could barely contain his laughter. My key isn't working? Penelope finally got the joke. Oh, I get it. My key or my key isn't working. Good one. Okay, guys, time's up. Back to schooling. Mama Peters prodded her students to get back to work after their lunch break. Time's up where, Mama Peters? I don't see it up there or anywhere. <laughs> Penelope answered foolishly. Penelope, you know what I mean. Back to work. Let's open our history books. Mama Peters sat down cleared her throat, <clears throat> and began reading chapter 29. As they listened diligently, they colored pictures of James Watt and his steam engine. After a couple of more hours of schooling, Mama Peters gave them permission to go outdoors with the twins to play in the fresh snow. Nora, one of Penelope's friends in the neighborhood, walked across the street to join them in their snowball fights and snowman building. After about an hour of hard play, they all rested for a bit in the drifts of snow. Nora began a conversation. We're off today because of a snow day, but you guys are homeschooled. Do you like homeschooling? It's radical. Normally, I'm homeschooled by Ma, but she had a doc appointment today, so Mama Peters volunteered to do it again just for today. But, but yeah, it's totally tubular. It's rockin' red. There was almost nothing about which Todd wasn't exuberant. Wow, that sounds great, Nora answered. Evergreen is good, but it's not as good now that you've left, Penelope. Well, thanks, Nora. Yeah, I miss some things about Evergreen, but I really like homeschooling. Penelope was thoughtful in her response. Well, how long does it take you guys to finish your schoolwork? 
Nora seemed especially interested in their school days. Oh, I don't know. It depends on how fast we work, Pearson piped up. So could you be done in the morning if you wanted? I suppose we could, Pearson said thoughtfully. Well, then would you, would you learn as much? Nora sounded a bit skeptical. Well, you'd better believe we'd learn way more than you, Nora. Though Penelope tried to sound lighthearted, she had begun to sound somewhat snotty. Pearson shot a look at Penelope. He was trying to convey to her that her response was quite unbecoming, and Nora looked to be rather aggravated by the rude remark. Well, how do you know? Nora shot back. Because when you're learning more, you just know more. So I know more than you. Penelope's attitude was quite insensitive toward her friend, and she was oblivious to Pearson's laser-like gaze at her. Nora looked a bit hurt. Whatever. I'm just kidding. Take a joke, why don't you? Penelope said flippantly. Okay, well, if it was just a joke, Nora hesitated. It is a joke. Penelope isn't any brighter than she was at government school, or else she wouldn't have said anything like that, Pearson interrupted. Todd jumped into the conversation. Pierce, dudettes, what do you say we put a pin in this convo and continue our snowball fight? The game resumed with snowballs flying through the air. Pearson continued to try to make eye contact with Penelope, but she didn't even notice and she was completely unaware that Todd was uncomfortable about her rude joke that was directed at Nora. But at least Nora seemed to have recovered. The twins had no idea about any friction between Penelope and Nora, and were only too happy to return to the game. They didn't really know how to make snowballs or throw them. They were just there for a good time. As the sun went down and the sky began to darken, Nora and the others were called inside for dinner. Mr. and Mrs. Hicks had just arrived at the Peters' home to pick up Todd, but had been invited to stay for dinner. Hello, everyone. How did it go today? Mrs. Hicks inquired pleasantly. Oh, it went really well, Mama Peters responded as she greeted Mrs. Hicks with a hug. We completed all of our schoolwork early, so the kids went outside and played in the snow. And how was your doctor's appointment, Mrs. Hicks? Oh, it went so well. And we've got a surprise for everyone. Mrs. Hicks looked directly at Todd. Another surprise, Ma? Hey, surprises are totally tubular. But I don't know how much longer my heart can take not knowing. When are you going to tell us what it is? I bet you I know what it is, Todd. Your mom found out you're having a space alien who looks just like you. Penelope interrupted through fits of laughter. <laughs> well, wouldn't that be something? Mr. Hicks didn't notice Mama Peters' withering glance in Penelope's direction. An alien, huh? But then who would be funnier looking, you or the alien? Mr. Hicks teased. Um. I'm pretty sure you take the cake on that, Mr. Hicks, Penelope continued. Penelope, please come in and help me set the table. Mama Peters sounded sharp. Penelope followed Mama Peters into the kitchen and began gathering the silverware and plates. Penelope Susanna Peters, what are you doing? Mama Peters whispered sternly. I'm getting the silverware and plates, Penelope answered with her voice trailing off, knowing full well that she really wasn't answering Mama Peters' question. But thankfully, she was saved by Mrs. Hicks entering the kitchen. We will talk about this later, Mama Peters told Penelope quickly and sent her into the dining room to set the table. Mama Peters turned to speak to Mrs. Hicks. Mrs. Hicks, we are so excited about the impending birth of Todd's baby brother. Oh, so are we, Mama Peters. We're thrilled that God has been so kind to us. And oh, we brought dessert. It was something small we could do since you've made dinner. After all the dinner preparations were complete, everyone took their place at the table, and after Daddy Peters had prayed over the meal, they all dug in. 
After a few minutes had passed, and in the middle of taking a bite, Todd stopped abruptly. Okay, Ma, Dad, I can't take it anymore. What's the surprise? Chill, Todd, or my mom is going to have to send you home without dinner. <laughs> Penelope thought her joke was so funny. When Penelope realized she was the only one laughing, she looked sheepish. Penelope, please go upstairs. I need to speak to you. Daddy Peters' firmness caused Penelope's face to flush. Except for the twins chattering in their seats, there was an uneasy silence around the table. Penelope walked upstairs, knowing that she had gone too far. She decided on a plan right then and there. As she entered her bedroom, followed by Daddy Peters, she plopped on the bed. I'm sorry, Daddy Peters. What are you sorry for, Pen? Oh, for my, for my joke. What was wrong with your joke, Penelope? Oh, it, it was, it, it was just that, that. You don't know what was wrong with it, do you? No, I, I guess not. Then why are you sorry, little one? I, 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 I don't know, Daddy Peters. I think that's right, Nellie. You don't know why you're sorry. And the answer is that you probably aren't sorry. Because you can't be sorry when you don't know your offense. Well, I can see I offended you and, 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 and Mama Peters. And so, honey, you didn't offend me. You offended the Lord by your behavior. But I, I was just plain, Daddy Peters. That's the problem, Pen. Mama Peters and I have noticed that you're playing a whole lot more lately. You're being foolish and you're making a lot of jokes. And the jokes aren't always funny. If truth be told, they're almost never funny except to you. And what that means is that they aren't said for the benefit of others. Jokes should be told to make others laugh and give them a sense of joy. You shouldn't make jokes to tear others down or just to make yourself laugh. Oh, I, I guess I, I, I guess I really didn't think about it. I know, and that's the problem. You didn't think about it. You only thought about you and how you felt. That's the problem with most of your jokes lately. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Corrupting talk is talk that is foul. Remember how we've talked about the poop cookie? A lot of time, sin looks attractive and tantalizing. It looks like a delicious chocolate sandwich cookie, but when you bite into it, you discover that the chocolate is actually poop. Penelope laughed and gagged simultaneously. <laughs> oh. Yes, corrupting talk does that. What you just did, it makes us gag in our souls. When you bite into the cookie and discover that it's made of poop, what's the first thing you want to do? I, I just want to spit it out and use one of Mama Peters' scrub brushes to scour my tongue. That's exactly right, Nellie. When something foul or rotten has entered your body, you just want to spit it out. Corrupting talk is rotten talk that comes from a rotten heart. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Ephesians 4.5 says, Let there be no foolishness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. While your joking might not be meant to be crude or crass, it does not build others up. It does not give grace to those who hear. It is often out of place. And finally, this is the part that's really important to hear. It is disrespectful. Ephesians 6.1 says, What, Pen? Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Should I say the next two verses, Daddy Peters? That would be a good idea, Pen. 
Honor your father and mother, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Good job reciting those verses, Nellie. Honoring your parents is obeying us and using your words respectfully. And honoring others is also implicit in those verses. You must honor your elders. You should not be joking or teasing with adults at all. Even if they tease you, you're a child who does not have the discernment that comes with age and maturity to be able to joke back in a way that is appropriate. And so it is disrespectful. And tonight, the jokes you made about an alien baby, even though you were kidding, was disrespectful to Mr. and Mrs. Hicks. Mama Peter said you were joking a lot this morning, and it was disrespectful. And Pearson pulled me aside earlier and told me how you were hurtful to Nora with your teasing. I was planning to handle it after dinner, but when you teased Mrs. Hicks and interrupted her about her doctor visit, I had to fast-track it and talk to you right now. You embarrassed yourself and us, but that part is secondary. It doesn't matter who you embarrassed. We will survive that, and so will you. And we certainly don't want you to do things that are right just because you're afraid of being embarrassed. But instead, we want you to act out of love for God and do what's pleasing to Him. As Penelope considered all that Daddy Peters had said, she thought about Nora and thought about how she had ruined the moment for Todd. Her eyes gushed with tears, and she thought about how she had called the baby an alien and inwardly cringed. Oh, Daddy Peters, I am so embarrassed. I don't even want to go downstairs. This is horrible. I was so rude to Nora, and then I ruined the moment for Todd. <laughs> and for Mr. and Mrs. Hicks, and I was being so silly after math with Mama Peters. Uh, I don't even, I don't know. I, I, I was just, I, I guess I was feeling my oats. I know, Pin. You definitely have been feeling your oats. But the good news is, the Bible talks about sorrow leading to repentance in 1 Corinthians 7.10 experiencing godly sorrow over our sin will lead us to turn away from our sin and turn to Christ. But if you're just feeling sad because you're embarrassed or bothered because of what people think, then you're feeling the sorrow of man, which is not a godly sorrow, and it won't lead you to repentance. Remember what you said when we first came upstairs? You said, I'm sorry, Daddy Peters. But when I queried you about it, you didn't know why you were sorry. You know what 1 John 1, 9 says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confess your sin and repent and be done with it. Okay, Daddy Peters, I get it now. I have to face the music. Can we pray? Daddy Peters gladly obliged and the two sat in prayer for a few minutes before heading downstairs. When Penelope re-entered the room, everyone turned to look at her and Daddy Peters and smiled warmly. Penelope took her place at the dinner table and took a deep breath. <sighs> I just want to talk to everyone. I am truly so sorry for my coarse jesting and silliness and being foolish and disrespectful. Todd, if Mama Peters had said she had a surprise for me, I'd be excited too. And Mr. and Mrs. Hicks, I was disrespectful to you when I was joking. And Mama Peters, Penelope was trying hard to control her emotions, but she was truly sorry. I am so sorry for being disrespectful of my joking to you. I, I, I know I don't deserve anyone's forgiveness, but would you please forgive me? Without a moment of hesitation, Penelope heard phrases like, You're forgiven, Pen! Mama Peters got up from her seat, walked over, 
and hugged her daughter tightly. Another moment passed before Mr. Hicks began to speak. Daddy and Mama Peters, could I change the subject real quick? Mr. Hicks turned his attention to Mama Peters. Mama Peters, I know Maggie told you that we've brought some cupcakes for dessert. And though it's in the middle of dinner, so it's odd to serve them right now, but would that be okay if we do? Mama Peters glanced at the delectable treats with wide eyes. That would be great, Mr. Hicks, Mama Peters answered. Wait, dessert in the middle of dinner? Who ever heard? Penelope began, but caught herself and stopped just before she blurted out another joke. She realized she was going to have to really watch her mouth if she was going to lick the habit of constantly joking. As Mr. Hicks passed out the treats, he inspected each one and seemed to be extra careful with the one for Todd. On the way over here, we picked these up at a bakery which specializes in cakes and cupcakes for expectant parents. We even bought some half-sized ones for Patience and Priscilla. Okay, that should do it. Everyone has a cupcake. Now let's all take a bite. No one needed any encouragement, since the cupcakes with their piles of frosting looked scrumptious. Everyone took a bite and exclaimed about their deliciousness. That is, all but Todd. It looked as though a pink frosting bomb had gone off inside Todd's mouth. One would have thought that he was wearing pink lipstick. At first, everyone was too busy enjoying the cupcakes to notice, but Todd was never one to shy away from making announcements. Dad! Ma! Everyone! Why is my cupcake different? I mean, it tastes great, but why in the world is my cupcake filled with pink cream? And just like that, all eyes were focused on Todd. Mrs. Hicks was smiling and laughing and crying at the same time as she spoke to her son. Well, Todd, that's the surprise. I had another ultrasound today, and the doctor noticed something he hadn't seen the last time. Apparently, babies can hide. It slowly began to dawn on everyone. Except for Todd, who raised his eyebrows quizzically. What's the surprise, Ma? I mean, I'm having a baby brother, right? So why would there be pink in my, my and why would there be pink in my cupcake? Yes, Todd, you will have a baby brother, the Lord willing. But what do you think the pink frosting might mean? And suddenly, Todd understood. Dad, does this mean we're having twins? He could hardly keep his voice down. Is that what it means? I is that the big surprise, Todd? That is precisely what it means. Ma and I are both kind of in a daze, but the doctor made sure before we left the appointment today. And so, no, Penelope, we're not having an alien, but we are having boy and girl twins. Happy feelings of joy crept into Mr. Hicks's voice. God has been so unbelievably kind to our family. Everyone, especially Todd, was excited with the news. He was even more euphoric than usual. And why shouldn't he be? The Lord had drawn his heart to Jesus, and he had done the same for his parents. And in his wondrous mercy, God had brought his parents back together. And now, God was not just giving him one, but two siblings. At last, everyone quieted down. Daddy Peters began to sing the chorus of a hymn that they'd been learning at church. Jesus, oh, how sweet the name. Taking their cue from Daddy Peters. They all joined in. Jesus, every day the same. Jesus, let all saints proclaim. It's worthy praise forever. Penelope had to stop singing because the lump in her throat grew larger. Her heart felt as though it would burst in gratitude to God, for in his great mercy, 
He had redeemed the moment, the moment that her big mouth had threatened to ruin, and had made it beautiful. This is Grandmom's Corner. I know I say it often, but I sure could relate to this story both as a parent and as a kid. When I was a kid, I had way too much to say sometimes. I thought I was funny, and I would joke with adults at times. Have your parents ever said something like, The problem is, you never know when to quit. Well, that was me. That's not a compliment. There were times that my behavior mortified my mom. When I was growing up, women usually wore nylons or hose or stockings, as they were called back in the day, and dresses to church. Well, one day after church, for some childish reason, I wanted to know if one of the ladies was wearing nylons and I couldn't tell. So I got down on the floor, crawled over to where she was, and touched her leg to check. I meant nothing by it because I was just being a goofball, but my mom was none too pleased. I had to apologize for my rudeness, and you can be sure that I didn't do that again. Well, fast forward several decades, and guess what? One of my daughters never knew when to quit either. She joked a lot with adults, and she didn't have the discernment or wisdom to know when she shouldn't be joking. Back in those days, my husband, who you've heard before on Grandmom's Corner, was going to school and working two different jobs. In order to help out, I took an afternoon paper route. My joking daughter would ride along with me. Nearly every day, she would start to joke around, and that was fine. But the problem was, she didn't know when to quit just like Penelope, and I didn't know when to quit. I loved my daughter, and we would have a good time together. But sometimes, I would warn her to stop messing around and being foolish. I'd say something like, if you don't stop fooling around, you're probably going to end up crying. Because eventually, I would have my fill and chide her and let her know that discipline would be coming her way if she didn't stop. It usually ended up with my sweet daughter in tears because she wasn't grown up enough to understand when to joke around and know when it was time to be serious. Proverbs 15.2 says it this way, The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. Be wise with your tongue. Pray that God would help you control your mouth. Even as an adult, I have to ask God to guide my tongue and help me say what He wants me to say. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. When you put salt on your food, what does that do? It makes it more flavorful. It makes it taste better. When we talk, it should be as though we've sprinkled salt on our words and they sound better to the hearer. The Lord willing, we'll be back next week with a new story. Bye for now.